Uh, just to introduce um, Greg and Angela Kim to you, those of you who don't know them, um, uh, Angela will tell you a little bit more about uh, their history and background, just to make sure that everyone sort of is brought up to date with uh, where they've been and what they've been doing. Uh, but uh, they've been dear friends of ours for a long while and uh, helped serve the churches as part of relational mission, part of the apostolic team that's sort of working in and out of the churches in different nations. And uh, I've come to really respect and love their input and their um, their friendship and their, their wisdom and the anointing that's on them in what they do. So we're really thrilled that Angela's going to come and share this afternoon. And um, who knows what might happen? So over to you, Angela. <laughs> Well, that must have been prophetic from Mike, because this afternoon I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you see, I prepared something, but from Thursday evening, I've listened to Clyde and I've listened to Ben, and my thoughts have gone all over the place, and I'm busy putting things and making little notes, and you'll have to bear with me. Something has changed. That's what God does, eh? All change, all the time. I want to read to you the Lord's Prayer. At least that was in my notes. <laughs> and it's from Matthew 6. Um, from verse, I'll read from verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that, that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we do pray that, Lord. We pray that you you will break out here. Something happens. Um, we need something, Lord. We need something from you, something fresh and new, some spurring us on. We are desperate for you, Lord. And you just love that. And where we are desperate, you come. And so, uh, Lord, my eyes are on you this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. It was interesting because on Thursday evening, Clyde started in a way that <clears throat> I normally like to start anything. Unless you know who you are in Christ, you can do anything. Unless, when you know who you are in Christ, you can do anything. But you've got to start with who we are in Christ. And he read from 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And you see, if we add, uh, now you must go and evangelize. Now you must prophesy. Now you must heal the sick and raise the dead and preach the kingdom. It's like adding a burden to people, to us, when we don't know really who we are. We've got it here. Like, yeah, but who am I? And I think the culture in this um, nation is more a, a holding back, a, a, a quieter. I can't pronounce it. I am anointed. Dare I? Am I right? It's a bit arrogant. Is it arrogant? You see, your heads are going to say, oh, no, it's not arrogant. But in your mind, you're going to think, oh, but I can't do that. I'm going to call you a bluff all afternoon. <laughs> oh, well, there's permission from the foreigner, you see. <laughs> you know, what struck me is this conference is called Kingdom Breakout. Yeah? In Luke 17, verse 21, and this is from the King James Version, it says, you know, people aren't going to be able to say, look, there's the kingdom, or there's the kingdom, because the kingdom of God is within us. <laughs> and you see, often we think that to go, we're going to advance the kingdom. We must go out there and look to see what happens instead of when we break out. The kingdom actually breaks out because we carry him in us. Wherever we go, we carry him in us. So we can look at kingdom breakout. I have read this from Thursday evening. And... Um, I can stare at it till tonight I can stare at it. But you know, nothing's going to happen unless I break out. So we can sit here and we can have people talking and so on. We can, we've been to Kingdom Breaker. But we are like that. We are trained, it seems like modeled that way. So we think because we've heard it, it's happened. But it only happens once we realize you walk out here, you carry him in you. And then we start doing the stuff and just being. You see, it's about being. And out of being, the doing will come. You're all okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, now we're going to go out there. Now, now signs and wonders are going to drop from the sky. We'll wait forever. People are going to get saved because, you know, something's just going to happen. It's as we bring out the kingdom, he who is in us something happens. And he loves it. He loves having fun, you know. Jesus loves having fun. Yeah? You like having fun. But Jesus loves having fun. And he has fun through us. He's given us the bonus. He could have saved everybody, healed everybody, done. He could have used the angels, but he says, I'll use you. I know a big risk that he's taking, but he says it's worth it because they, they'll get it and they'll see things happening. Um, Clyde also mentioned, he mentioned Qumran as a small place. He wanted to be in Cardiff, but God put him in Qumran. And then he said, and then there's Lowestoft on the opposite side of the UK, also a small place. And I sat there and my mind went back in time. And we've been in the UK nine years. There's a, a story involved in that. We came for six months, we were here for nine years, you know. But um, when we came, 
I was speaking at a justice conference in Bracknell. Totally fresh, foreign, I knew nothing. I was in London too long, so you say nothing, you know. And, um, and I did my thing on the platform and then went to have a cup of coffee. And this man came running to me and he flopped on me and said, um, you must come to us. And I said, where do, you, where do you come from? Where do you live? And he said, Lowestoft. And I said, where's that? I was a foreigner, hadn't heard of Lowestoft. And he said, well, it's on the East Coast. And then I asked the crucial question. Are you an elder in the church? Because elders invite, not your normal run-of-the-mill person. Not so? <laughs> you don't know whether to answer yes or no. You don't, know if it's a, you don't know if it's a trick question, do you? And he said, no, he's not an elder. So I said, well, go back to your elders and ask them to write uh, an email if they want me there. And I thought, well, that's it. Well, about two days later or even a day later, whatever, I got an email from this man called Mike Beck, who I'd also not heard of before. But it was those times. It was those times where you had names and then you had other people doing stuff, but their names weren't as prominent, you know. And this man asked, would Greg and I come here for two weeks or something, or three weeks or a long time. And, you know, something happened in me. My estimation went up for an elder who trusted one of his congregation members. I'm telling you the story so you know what you've got here and, and how you've been taught and the power of who's in you, yeah, the Jesus in you. And, um, and I thought, we must get to this lower stock because something, there's something good there because there is a, a man who honors the people in his congregation. And you know, one thinks it's little things. It's a massive thing. So we were two churches, three months each. Lower stock church. This church was the first one outside of my, what I came for, was here. And something happened, because in nine years, we've, we're always back. But, but you must hear this. Something happened in a connection here, because I see something. You see? I see something. And I'm not going to give up until I see that. I, I really mean that. You are on the easternmost tip. a springboard into the rest of the world. And this is all the churches in Lowestoft and the environs around, by the way, this east bit, that people forget and think, well, what good comes from there? You see, what good? And the Lord says, well, I will show you what good comes from there. And you see, I'm, Ben asked me to give you my, um, my township, my history in the townships. And I'll give little dots of it, but I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I'm more interested now in what is God going to do here. But I'll tell you some of the things of the township. Because you see, the t uh, first let me backtrack. 
when I came to Lowestoft that first time, somebody said to me, and I don't, can't remember who, but just in chatting to many people, said, Lowestoft has a name. It's called the lowest of. Okay? All quiet now. Have you heard that before? No? The lowest of. As if the people feel that they're the lowest of. That's like, I thought, no, that is just so awful. That's like a curse. And I thought, if church people buy into that, we just don't break out. Because it's like, who are we? Can I go on talking? Is it all right? Yeah? It, it's like, who are we? Who are we to go into London? Who are we to go into this place and that place? And we are the lowest of. And I thought, wow, this is where God's going to change something in society to make society put their heads up. Yeah? The church gets society putting heads up. But the church needs to first be healed itself or herself from the curse of words like that that actually get into one uh, whether we know it or not. Yeah? And Father, I want to ask that as I'm speaking, you break the hold of mindsets. Because, Lord, we want that. We want that. And, Lord, you've been so good to us over the years with, with Heaven Touches East. Lord, you've brought people now to a point of, well, we are healed. We know that we are kings and priests to serve our God. We know we are our royal priesthood. We know all these things. Now, Lord, it's to go and be this in society and bring healing. Is that what you're up for? You're ready for that? Really, you know? And so I come from a, a, a tribe in, in South Africa, which was known as the superior tribe. And there were inferior tribes. And we were God's gift to society, you see, the superiors. And uh, God had other plans, and he kind of booted me in among the inferior tribes because I wouldn't have chosen to go. It was too scary, too difficult, too awful, too everything. And he booted me in there because, you know what, that tribe, the potential in that tribe was so big. And it needed somebody. I, I think from when I got saved, I read the Bible and I sort of believed it, even if I didn't feel it. And so when it says you are kings and priests and you know royal priests, I believed it. So I knew that there was somebody in me who needed to explode out, and only that somebody changed the situation. And I think God had prepared me like that to get me into the townships to actually bring hope and to bring people, black people of South Africa. You don't have to cringe before white people. Do you know who you are? When you're born again, do you know who lives inside you? You are as powerful as any other Christian. You stand on an even footing before the Father. It's not about color. 
It's not about color. It's about him in us who makes us equal. And it's an interesting thing. It took me ages to get that through because I'd been brainwashed. We superior. And my friends had been brainwashed inferior. And even if they were very angry and felt it's not true, because people knew it wasn't true, but the way they acted was still, there was something blocking them. And so God put me there to actually speak to people, to bring the gospel, see the change. When you see the change of somebody who's not a Christian, then they get it. And they say, Lord Jesus, come and forgive me. I want to be your child. And to watch that face change is worth all the money in the world. And I had the privilege of watching person after person after person after person actually give their lives to Jesus. But then came the discipling of, now that you are children of Jesus, now we live differently. Now the power is in you to actually, what I've done with you, you must go and do with someone else. You know what I loved? So I'd go into a shack. And I remember the one time the mama was in the shack. And she had so much arthritis, she couldn't walk. And so we went in. And I was alone for a while. And then people came, to, white people came to join me. But I found God kept me alone in the townships first because my team was black people. And that was such a privilege to have a team of black people with me, going from shack to shack and talking and so on. But this mama, um, she'd been in bed five years or something, couldn't walk. And so we laid hands on her, told her how much Jesus loved her, prayed with her, and then we left. And we were going to go and do open-air evangelism. And I heard, Angela, Angela, behind me. And here came the mama running. And it was like, oh. And she said, I've come to preach gospel with you. She got out of bed because the kingdom had broken out in that place. Now, it wasn't like I just expected this all the time. In the end, I did. Because it. It was so traumatic and so difficult being there with so much sickness and so on and poverty that all I could do was call on God and say, you've got to, you put me here, you've got to rescue me. I'm going to call on you. I'm going to land on the sick. You must, you must do what only you can do because I can't do it. That's the whole point. I can't do anything. But you live in me, so you must come and do it. He was faithful. My word, he was so faithful. And he blew my mind. I just watch things happening. Um, I go to churches now in the UK, and I've had lots of um, British people work with me, and they've had to remind me, do you remember when the blind, that guy, blind guy saw and I said, which one? Because it was so normal. It, it's, this is what we do. But it comes out of desperation. It wasn't, here I go, a big white hope, and I've got this, and I'm going to. It was, Lord, stumbling. Lord, I'm going into this community. You must come. You said, you said you'd come. You must come. 
And this mama who came running after me, she was one of our very faithful women after that. Well, we preached the gospel in the open air, which was quite tricky. You could have been shot from any direction. Um, but you see, I had to become a model of my own words. So if I said to people, Jesus is the one who heals, delivers, and so on, drives out demons, yeah? And, um, and you don't have to be so afraid. Then I had to make sure that I wasn't so afraid because I was the model of the words. And we ourselves as Christians are the models of the words. You know, people watch songs of praise and all that, and they say, oh, boy, you know, there go the Christians again. But they're watching. They watch, they watch us to see do we match up. Do our lives match up? And we, we think it's just the words that we're saying. But in our communities, people watch the Christians. And so we become the model of our own words. Quite tricky, eh? Quite scary, really. But you know, when we know who we belong to, it's okay. It's all okay? Yeah? In the townships, the, the last or second last community, I worked with lots of communities. God used communities to train me up in how to be human, how to, how to do the stuff, how to do the signs and wonders. If I didn't have the communities, I wouldn't be so well trained now. You see how we need communities. It's all very well to sit here and we practice on each other. But when you want to be properly trained, it's out there. And it's the joy of having people open their lives to us and allow us to lay hands on them, allow us to pray with them. We need the communities as much as what they need us. And I watched the communities um, grow and help teach me. I taught them about Christianity. They taught me about how to be human, life, how to have compassion. How to? I, I was a person, you know, we didn't have much compassion. Um, oh, but I could stand, and people would come for miles to be prayed for. And in the end, my, my hands used to feel thin, the skin, from laying hands on so many people. I simply just can't anymore. But you watch the tears, and you watch people being healed, and you think, you know, Jesus just comes through again and again with compassion. He just flows through us with compassion. We've gone into the townships with bread, sandwiches, small amount, and the kids come running and you think, oh, and we hand out, and we hand out. And you put your hand in the bag and you hand out, and you hand out, and it just goes on and on. When, you, when I look back, I think, what happened there? But at the time, you don't even think. Your hand is just going. Um, because God says he will feed the poor. And when you take him at his word, he just does these things. Because he lives in us. I just relied on him in me. He, and he, if you are a disciple of Jesus here today, he's in you. The same amount that is in me or anyone else. Do you believe that? I know you do. Do you? 
Do you believe that? It's a, that's the big question. Do you believe that the visiting speaker has got that bit more? Or maybe someone with a story. I've got a brilliant history. But it's God's history. He did it. I might get a jewel. For, no, I will get a jewel for obedience. But he did the saving and the healing. and the, He did it. But I had to say, okay, I'll, I will go. Oh, I kicked and screamed, by the way. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't easy. I didn't want to do it. But there was a community. There was a community. And the compassion in me was too big. And I wish they'd go away so that I could live a nice, comfortable life here. And, and so on. And earn money and all those things like other people. And God had just said, no, there's a community. And when I did want to give up on them, I couldn't because I loved them. And also because, what about God's name? Couldn't let them down because of God's name. And, um, you know, I watched this community, especially the one I'm talking about now. I've worked in many communities, but this one. The most political community in Cape Town. And God puts me there. And they'd never allowed a white person on their turf. And I didn't know that, and I went in there. You know, it's only after the fact you think, whoa. But I went in there, and what you do, because I felt God say that I can must go into the community, doesn't mean that I can stomp in and say, well, now here I come. I still had to go through the channels of going to the committee and saying, may I be here? May I be here? And they said, yes. And one of the, the, the women said, um, we want you to give the light to our people because our people need the light. Well, apparently that evening she was picked on so by some of the other committee because she'd allowed me in to give the light. How did she know? She wasn't a Christian. How did she know that I was a light bringer? Do you see? And then when I was there, I would go in all the shacks. And when, when I left, somebody would come in afterwards to find out, was I a security police, like a spy? Was I mental? Because to be a white woman uh, doing those things, that you, you must be, well, that's debatable, you know? <laughs> or was I of God? You see, they went to check. And then they saw the fruits of it. And so uh, one day they came and they gave me a challenge. And they said, if your Jesus is as big as what you say he is, we want you to ask him to give us each a brick house. You live in a brick house. You want a brick house. 650 brick houses and no money. You know, they had outside toilets, bucket system, no electricity unless it was pinched. You know, many uh, yeah, pinch from poles. You know all about that, eh? Um, pinch from poles. Um, lots of wires to all these shacks. Caused lots of fires. People died. Eh? And they said, we want to have dignity. We want a house. And I said, well, I've seen Jesus do so much already in these townships. I reckon he can give you a house. Why can't he give you a house? And I said, he'll give you a house. And as I drove away, I thought, how can you be so stupid and still breathe? 
How can you promise people a house? You see, you don't mess with the poor. Really, rule number one, you don't mess with the poor. Because middle class, you know, people, wealthier people, they can go to lawyers to fight for them or whatever. Poor have got nobody. So even if they're not God's children, uh, as in born again, his grace is still there. He's wonderful, you know, his grace is everywhere. Even now, out there, his grace is there. And, um, and if I'd promised them a house and messed with them, it would be quite displeasing to God. You don't mess with, with the poor. You don't make promises and then not keep them. So I said to God, well, even if I made a mistake, please rescue me. It was one of the most difficult three-year patch of needing to pray and call on God. And he said to me, you may not fundraise. I need money, Lord, how do you get money? Um, but you know, he showed himself. Three years later, the first house came. Brick house. It's, it's a long story. I'm not going to tell you the actual story, but just people being able to do the impossible. And when I went to pick up, about a hundred of the community got on the back of a, of a lorry. There they aren't the rules in South Africa that they are here of wealth, and thou may not sit at the back of a lorry, you know. So you can imagine there was a big lorry, but a hundred of them with no, nothing over it, just hanging over, holding on, bounce, bounce, bounce all the way to this different location. And um, they came to see the house. I thought that they would be very pleased with the bricks, the paint, and it was nice. You know, they stood in a queue, and they all went to the toilet. Because you see, a toilet's a massive thing. It's a mad they were outside with bucket systems. That means everybody in society knew where they were going. It takes dignity away. And I learned, uh, I was always learning lessons. There was this lesson of them standing in the queue, long one. And each one went to the loo and flushed. And everybody clapped. And then they washed their hands and they came and grinned. And I just had to go around the corner and weep. I just wept. Because what if God had listened to my moans some years before? Get me out of here. I don't want to be here. What if he listened? These people would never have got the house. All they needed was somebody to come and stir in them the ability. Because I worked very hard to get the housing, but boy, did they work too. God had put something in them to rise up to the challenge. God had put in them the desire for a house. And then he says, well, I'll take this one, me. You will help me. And you put the combination to the three people of the township, me and God, and the combination was quite potent. And uh, every single person got a house. I'm, I'm telling you that it's like a nice story. It was so difficult. I wanted to give up. I wanted to run away. I just thought there's all too much, you know. The fight was big because you must understand black people in our society didn't get houses. You got a shack. 
So it was a breaking of a stronghold of mindsets, breaking of the stronghold, the laws that had been put. It was a massive thing. Not only that, you know, we used to get together before evangelizing and we would pray, Lord, will you give her houses? Lord, will you give her houses? And after a few months, God said to me, now stop asking and start thanking me for houses. Well, I'd come from my house, but I was coming to people living in shacks. And I had to stand there and say, now you've got to start thanking God for, for houses that they couldn't see. I felt about this big, but they got hold of it. And we never asked God again. We just thanked him over, over, and over. We went to Parliament about breaking apartheid with this community. Um, we did so much praying around Parliament. Then they would go and look to see if we had put bombs anywhere. Because they used to see us every Friday praying around Parliament. And we were quite innocent, but they were so aware of, the security police were so concerned for anybody who was there often that they would look to see if there's bombs. And we thought, well, we are quite, we can, you know, we, the bomb of God is right there. They'd, but it's an invisible bomb, but potent. And the things, we had a list of things that we prayed around Parliament, and it all came to pass. And I mean, it was just us. Just us. Nobody's from a small community changing the face of what I look at South Africa now. And you say, how did that happen? How on earth did that happen? But you see, God has plans. And he brings the most marvelous things out when we step out to do. And so we came here, and he's tied us in with lowest art. Are you adding two and two and two and two? You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 20, it says, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. And to me, that is what's written over me. Because I would like to say no to God so often. But I don't belong to myself. You don't belong to yourself. He bought us. He owns us. And he's the best owner in the whole world. And so, you know, it's like people speak to me, but we've got these choices. And we do. Because he is not a puppet. You know, we're not puppets and he pulls the strings. I wish it was. Then I would just do what he said. But it, it's a matter of, he, gives, he does give us a choice. But when we think about it, in the end, there's not much choice. Because he said, do you see? He has said. He has spoken about the kingdom. He has said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead. He said it. And now it's for us to actually go and be not go and do, go and be the people of the light. They were stopped and the environs are waiting for the light. You see? They're waiting. And they don't even know they're waiting because that com those communities in our townships, the last person they would have wanted to see is the white person. 
but I had God's anointing on me for that. And, and you are in this place because you've got God's anointing on you to actually do this kingdom breakout. Because when you sit here, the kingdom's in you. When you go out there, wherever you put your feet, I will give you the land. Because wherever I put my feet, the kingdom is advancing. Because I'm a carrier of Jesus. Does it make sense? You people okay? Is this serious? Is it challenging? I'm sorry. Everybody says, you come and you challenge us. I don't think I'm challenging. I'm just, you know, to me talking. But I suppose it's who I am. Come on, church. 2 Corinthians 5.15 He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know that the verses jump out at one. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But so often it's my choice, what I want, where I want to live, where I want to be, and so on. And... Um, Quite honestly, when we became born again, we died. You know all this, but I'm still going to tell you. We died. We died. And then it's like we went through the waters of baptism. We came out the other side. And we were new, but we were, but belonged to him. And he's commissioned each one of us in whatever area, your work, your School, whatever, wherever you are, he's commissioned us with the people around. And so for me, if anybody comes near me, comes and says hello to me, strangers, I think they must be mine. God sent them to me because I carry him in me. And we become attractive to people because we smell like Christ. We are the aroma of Christ to God as he sees us among people, being Jesus among people. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And later this afternoon I'm going to ask, whether we want to again offer our bodies to God. It's risky stuff because you don't know what he's going to do. But he is good. And he will stretch you and let you do things that you think, I can't do it. If you can do it. How boring is that? Because you don't need him. But he will put us in things that we can't do because he wants us to look at him and say, okay, I will step out. But you, you must come. You must come and rescue me. And he does. I was reminded a few years ago. I went to a church, and one of the elders said to me, "Do you remember what happened when a team came into a shack area?" And um, I said, "Well, tell me what happened. I mean, that was like my life, so I can't remember every detail." And he said, "Well, there was a man in in bed, a young man, and he'd." Um, fallen off scaffolding, he was a roofer or whatever, and he broke his back and couldn't move. Um, and he'd been like that for, I don't know, months, weeks, I can't remember. So I said to the team, well, let's lay hands on him. 
And after we'd prayed a while, I said to him, now sit up. So he sat up. But you see, I had an expectation. Because that man couldn't work anymore, and his people were hungry. And so this is a rescue job. It's out of desperation. It's desperate. It's not this rah-rah here comes desperate with weeping. And, um, and then I said, okay, can you swing your legs round? And he had to first put his trousers on, you know, and so on. Um, and then I said, now, can you stand? And he did. And then I opened the door and I said, now, walk, just walk outside the door. Well, he walked and then he ran. And we never saw him again all day. And I shouted, come back. We went back the next day. And he'd gone back to work. And we just praised God. The kingdom had come. But you know, with the housing, we would get a house. Now, I, to me then, I was an evangelist. I give the gospel, Lord. I do not do projects or houses. Do you see? What it is? I'm, oh, no. I'm a, I like the wobble and the shake. You know? Not the how much cement is in. The sand is in the cement when they build the houses, you know. And um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> Let me tell you about the cement. I'll get back to the house. Um, with, with the cement, I would go around. Now, if there was a dodgy builder, he puts lots of sand in the cement. And then when the rains come, the cement is gone, and then God's houses will come crashing down. So we said, Lord, Please look after the houses. So I, just wanting to be kind, friendly, used to ride round to each of the houses being built. And I would get out and I would go to the wheelbarrow and I would touch the cement and just rub it and say, well done to the men. Well, what I didn't know is that the men said, that mama, she knows the consistency of cement. So we can't fool her. We better build good houses. Isn't that amazing? Do you see? It's, it's wily as serpents, gentle as doves. After that, I went round even more, feeling the cement. But what I was going to say is, we found we got one house, and then I would think, now I can go and give the gospel again. And the housing stopped. Then we'd have to pray, Lord, where's the next? Where's the next house? You know, we lay in the sand, and our tears dripped on the sand as we prayed for the next house and the next one and the next one. God wouldn't let me get all used to, oh, well, now there's the houses. That's my job finished. He really taught me how to battle through. And we would lie in the sand. It's like beach sand, uh, but it's, yeah. We would lie in the sand and call on him because our friends were waiting and they didn't have the houses. Some people had and some people hadn't. We used to have these, what they were called, taxi wars. Um, it's not your kind of taxis. This is township taxis, or what they were called, black taxis. People carriers, people carriers, maybe that's better. But there was, because money is scarce, there would be taxi wars, people carrier wars, taxi wars. And, um, and people would burn taxis, and it was quite awful at times. And, you know, we would go in among the taxis and we would kneel in a circle 
men and women and me, and we close our eyes with our backs, in our inner circles, our backs, very vulnerable, would be facing out and say, and we would pray and pray until we knew that something had changed. Your knees ache, you want to scream, oh, I can't do this. But you know, at one time I opened my eyes and I looked at the pavement and the men and women who lived there, part of my team, the black men and women, their tears were splashes on the pavement. And I thought, how can I give up and get sore knees and complain about that when I can go home in my car and leave people with no transport? Do you see? Something gets hold of us when we realize we are the kingdom breaker. We are the answer to our communities. It's, it's we. They're waiting, and it's we are the answer. And it's being risky and doing ridiculous stuff. But you know, it's the ridiculous stuff that wins, that gives one stories. And so here we are in Lowestoft. And it's kingdom breakout. And I just felt God speak to me. So as you can see, I'm jumping all over because I've got no notes except some verses that I wrote down. Because I really feel the time has come. You guys are brilliant. You've got brilliant leaders. You've had such excellent teaching. And it's time to actually take the teaching, take what you know, and know who you are in God, and go out that door, and go and be the light, because the people are waiting for the light. They're tired of even being told, you must come to church. Actually, it's we who must go to them. Because we, this, as was said this morning, this isn't the church. We are the church, not the building. So it's we, wherever we are, being a light, um, just being available to people, will have kingdom breaker. And we'll be able to run with stories to actually encourage other people. Are you up for that? Anybody want to ask me anything? I was asked when we were praying for the, in the taxi war, and we prayed until we felt that it was over. How did we know? I don't know. But something happens. It's like you feel the burden. And we could have been there an hour. It could have been an hour and a half. I don't even remember. It was a long time. And it was over. We've, and it was, we all together opened our eyes and it was over. It's a, it's a thing of the Holy Spirit. And one time, I got a, a phone call to say um, that the security police had just burnt down about 200 shacks. And would I come? The me part is saying, I don't want to go there. How do you go now as a white person into an area where 200 shacks have been burned down by white people? How do you go there? 
And uh, so it was all about me, you see. How can I go there? It's going to be so awful. What if they kill me? And what if they cross with me, you know, and so on. But there was a cry for help. And so I went. And I went to pick up. I, I had an English guy with me. And then I went to, um, and he's leading one of the New Frontiers churches here now. And I went to pick up uh, one of our mamas. And she was in bed. And I said, Mama Elizabeth, you must come with me. We've got to go to those shacks. And she said, oh, no, I'm not going with you. Uh, no, that's you mustn't go there. It's too scary. And I said, Mama Elizabeth, we have to go there. We are the church. We must go there. In the end, it's quite funny. I convinced her to go with me. She knew more than what I knew, you see. And she knew you don't go there. Um, but we went. And we sat in the car, and I said, no, we've got to get out. Now, the smoke is rising, and you could, the people are crying. You could feel the tension is unbelievable. And so it's, it's me, the driver, and then Elizabeth, and then this young man sitting behind me from England. And um, I said, I think we must get out. And Elizabeth says, I think we must pray in the car. You understand that, eh? I mean, how can you be? How can you get out into that? And I said, No, we can't. It's like a protection in the car. We must get out. And so we stood in a little circle. I often did little circles of prayer. It's very vulnerable because your back is exposed to a knife or anything. And the young man from England said, "Can't we face outwards?" No, we must face inwards. And we prayed. And we asked God to come and bring healing and so on. And, you know, you, you, your eyes are closed and you don't know what's happening around you. When we opened our eyes, the whole community was standing around us, weeping, weeping. So we went among them and we just prayed with them. And so the church was there immediately in the trauma to bring a change. That's who we are, you see. That's who we are. We are those, when there is trauma, we are there. We don't run away from in fear. We go to the problem. And we could be very scared. And it is very scary about him. And look, sometimes one dies. I expected to die any moment, all the time. But he didn't allow it, because there was people in lower stock. Where I, do you see where I would be? But you, you, that's, how, that's how it is. He wanted me alive because there was people in Lowestoft who he was going to link us to, who've got the same fire in them. You see? I wanted to stand there. Holy Lord, it might have been said in the past that this community live in the lowest of. Thank you, Lord, that this is not what you say over lowest of and their environs. You speak hope, you speak love, you speak challenge, you speak good things over this area. And Lord, the same that I saw people rise up and change the whole situation change the way the nation even looked at black people and housing, first ever to be done. 
in our society in the Western Cape, first ever, broke the back of apartheid. Lord, thank you, the same anointing is here. The same anointing to actually break bondages, break holes, break mindsets. And Father, we were talking about impartation this morning. I want to ask you for an impartation. Whatever you've given me, Lord. And if you're up for it, you can put your hands up. It's risky, but I'm going to ask God for an impartation of whatever he's given me to come to you. You're up for it? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we want to see kingdom break up in lower stock and wider. We want to see things happen because of your name, Lord. It's your name. We are the models and the bearers of your name, Lord. And we want to ask for something supernatural to flow from each one of us in whichever situation you put us. Father, we want to put down the things of our own fear or our own pride or our own inabilities. Um, we want to put those down. Because it is, we are unable. We confess we are unable. But with you, we can do anything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You want to break strongholds in minds? Here this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Strongholds of the past, of things that happened to hold us back. Strongholds in ways of thinking, mindsets. Strongholds, even people who don't think they're worth much. Break that over you in the name of Jesus. God loves using people who are, are nots. Because then he gets all the glory. So if you think you're not able and not not worth it and all those things. He says, I'll have this one because then I'll get all the glory. Do you see? He has an answer to everything. Now I want you to be even more risky. I just feel over this season, God has been um, part of my portfolio that I feel God's given is to actually get people. He wants to commission people. You want kingdom breakout? He wants to commission people. Like, come on, okay, go and do it. You have everything, go and do it. So I'm going to ask, if you want to be commissioned, and something happens when God commissions, I want you to come forward. Commission for the next stage. Commission for kingdom breakout out there. Commissioned for wherever he wants to send you, whatever he wants to do. Commissioned for risk. Commissioned to take chances, commission to see the blind see, the dead raised. And it's, it's risky. It's so scary. And we can't do it. Holy Spirit. And this isn't about me or you. This is about God and what he wants to do over lower stock and wider. And then you're at the end. You're on the most eastern point. It's for the world, by the way. Out of this place must come things for the world. Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you brood on people? 
was a big moment. Big, big moment. And then I want to ask the elders to come up here. Whoa. So I can't commission. I come and go. And it's not, not my job to commission, but it is the elder's job to actually commission. And if you are an elder from another church, a leader of another church, you can also come. If you are a leader of another church, another, what denomination? We're all the same church. <laughs> another denominator, you can also come. And I wonder if you come up here, because, and my, it's actually whatever God gives you to actually give permission. People don't need permission, but they do. It's a funny thing. We have been trained that we need permission to do. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you first, Jesus, gave us the Great Commission, that it starts with you, Lord God. It begins with you, Lord Jesus, that you said go into all the world. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray right now for your commissioning right now of us in this, in this town, in this district, in this region, Father, to the, to the end most of the earth, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father. As you began the commission with the Great Commission, Father, we, we just speak your words right now. Father, as, as leaders of these churches represented here, Lord God, we right now just send forth workers, Lord, into the harvest field. Just pray right now, Father, that burdens would just drop on hearts right now. Dreams would just awaken. Joseph's would rise. Joseph's would rise. Ruth's would rise. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for your commission. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thinking of a story that I heard of a, a real a true story. Somebody waiting at Norwich Station uh, for the train to Lowestoft, and they saw a train and they didn't get on it. And it was a train to Lowestoft, and they missed it. And they missed it because they thought that that train looked too good to be going to Lowestoft, um, and so they didn't get on. Uh, and there, that really sort of hit something with me when Angela said, uh, uh, "You know, the Lowestoft," and and there's that feeling over this town that. Uh, that somehow uh, we're not good enough. Uh, there are people on the, uh, the Witten Estate, part of my parish, who just know that they'll never go anywhere else. And of course, it's bricks, but in a way, it's township. And, it, uh, and, and we have to break that. And God has done it before in this place. Why, why not again? Now, let's just affirm that firstly, firstly, that you are good enough because Jesus is in you and he died for you. You are not without worth. And then we need to look around because Jesus says as he commissions us that we go out and we look for the man of peace. We look for that person that's got the spark of God in them already. And they are all over. Do we believe it or not? 
Jesus said the harvests are white, the fields are white for harvest. Pray, therefore, that God will send out laborers. So, Lord, here they are. There are laborers. There are laborers. There are so many in this church. And, Lord, I give you thanks for all that's happened through this church over so many years. Give you thanks and praise. So send them, Lord. Send them now. Start giving. Uh, well, some have already got it. But, but implanted in people's hearts and minds a heart. Perhaps you see the picture of, uh, of a person in, in your mind's eye now, or a road. Uh, perhaps you are working in a particular area. Perhaps you have nothing like that. So ask for God to, to lay down. He says, I will give you the desires of your heart. That means he is going to plant desires on our hearts. So come down, Holy Spirit. Because each one here can change this town. And if we can change this town, we can change the world. Come, Holy Spirit. We believe. We believe. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, some people live in the townships, but some people have got the townships living in them. And and we're surrounded by people who've got poverty mentality even if they're living in something that people in the townships would think, I'd love to live in a house like that. But you can have the township living in you. And I just feel that the Lord wants us to understand we are working with the poor. We are working with the poor. Right? We may live in a Western world, but we are working with the poor. There is desperate need all around us, desperate need. And we do have the answers. This is the thing. It's, we do have the answers. So, Jesus, I just want to pray that you would give a holy boldness to us to look with your eyes of compassion, just the same as if someone was struggling because they wanted food and water. Lord, we've got people who are desperate for love, affection, forgiveness, uh, healing of rejection. Uh, just feeling totally bereft of things that every human being should have. Lord, we we ask you not to make us kind of uh, kind of rush out, kind of desperate, Lord, but to be obedient. I pray for an ability to hear your voice and do what you tell us. Jesus, you never rushed around. You even let Lazarus die because you were somewhere else. You, you just knew exactly what to do, when to do it. So I pray for everybody who's come forward here, Lord, and, and for the, all the churches represented here. We realize not everybody's here, but we, just as a, a, as a kind of, let, 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 the, let this symbolically spread through the churches. I pray for every church represented in this town that knows and loves you, Lord. There's many, and across Yarmouth and across the East Coast, down to Southwold, across all the villages. We pray, Lord, this just right now that there would be this Holy Spirit leading in us so we hear your voice daily, weekly. Just we see people. We, uh, Lord, we just see what you're doing. And we and we get in with it. We just we just get behind it, even with all our sense of what do I do now, Lord? Just help us to take the next step. And I believe, Lord, that you want you want us particularly to also 
for this church, particularly in the churches connect with relational mission, Lord, there's a global, there's something global about what you want to do because it's almost out of somewhere so insignificant you want to display something that ought not to be displayed. And I just thank you, Jesus. When you first introduced yourself to Paul on the road to Damascus, you said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. You didn't say I'm the Lord of the universe. You said I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, and I thank you so much that we can say, I'm Bruce of Lowestoft, or I'm Joan of Lowestoft, or I'm Mel of Lowestoft, and we're in good company because that's what you said. And yet, Lord, you used that man to touch the nations. And it was just kind of out of your humble identification of where you came from that you just exploded globally through an insignificant place. And I pray, Lord, that you do something we know we can't do it, but we want to do it for your glory. We want to see nation after nation after nation touched from this place in extraordinary measure, an extraordinary measure over the next 25, 30, 40 years. We want to see something that has a legacy. And I pray, Lord, there's people in this who've come forward with a legacy. There's a legacy issue over some of these people. Linda, there's a legacy on you for the nations. There's a legacy on you for the nations. Rob and Karen, there's a legacy on you. There's a legacy. Bruce and Denise, there's a legacy. There's legacy involved here. There's, there's things that are involved. Bernard and Hannah, there's a legacy on you for the nations. It's not even been birthed yet fully. There's a legacy. Ben and Mel, there's a legacy somehow for the nations, for Europe. There's something that God is birthing. Mike and Ruth, there's some that, Joan, there's a legacy on you for years of prayer for the nations. There's a legacy God's calling out of you, and, and it's coming out of obscurity. And it's not like next week. This is a legacy we're investing in for years, and I, I, God's going to do it. He's going to do it, and he's birthing faith right now. Uh, Pete and Tash, there's a legacy on you for Europe. There's a legacy on you for Europe. You know it's there, and it's just not been birthed yet, but there's a legacy on you. There's a legacy on you for what God has spoken, and it's going to come. It's being birthed. It's just a long incubation. It's a bit like an elephant. Gestation's a long while, but when it comes out, it's a big baby. All right, There's a legacy on you for Europe. There's a legacy. There's something that God's spoken over your life that hasn't been birthed yet. Thank you, Lord. Just leaving in line with what Mike just saying is that I believe that right now God is going to give each one of you a picture of your field. In the days ahead, there's a there's a field that He's going to He's set you in. You're in now. It's a field of of a coffee morning. It's a field of a of a group. I just feel like it's not just God's putting a group around you. It's a field where He's He's put you to work, and He's He made you a person of influence. Like Clyde says, you have a platform. But right now, there's something being birthed right now in your heart that you are a worker in a field. You are an influencer in a group. You are an influencer in a crowd. It might even be just over a cup of coffee with another person. It's the, it's the friends of the family helper that goes into a home. That that is your field. That right now, God says, you have a field. And you're going to harvest hearts. You're going to harvest groups. Some of you have bigger groups than your mind says you're capable of right now. There are, there are, are toddler groups. There are, there are social action groups in our community. God's going to give you a voice in panels in, the, in our towns. 
God's just going to birth an idea, a place, a field. It's, a, it's in your workplace right now. It's relationships in your workplace. It's a field. It's a, you have an influence. Jesus' name. Father, just pray right now. Open our eyes to see the work you have for us. Prepared in advance the friendships you have for us to develop. In Jesus' name. Just if you're here from St. Mark's or St. Luke's, just put your hand up. And there's one or two of you. From, just, just, folk, just gather around and just pray for me and as well. I just, I just really feel that this is a representative group of you. Can those of you just turn, just pray for the folk here? I just really feel that there's a there's a real influence in the community that God wants to bring uh, through the churches there. And uh, Lord, we just call it into being right now. We, we, we. I really do believe, Lord, there's a community breakout. It's something to do with community breakout through those churches, Lord. On, on housing estates, in, in primary schools, there's something God's birthing uh, uh, where you're going to have to, I think, Ian, you're going to have to really think through the logistics of how you do meetings because there's, there's, there's breakout coming. There's, there's breakout coming. And the people who come to you are not going to be at all familiar with church. They're not going to be, it's kind of almost like unfamiliar people in a, in a familiar church surrounding. And God's going to bring in people who've got no idea. They've never even looked at the Bible. They've got no, no family history of Christianity at all. It's like there's, this is real kind of, as it were, kindergarten stuff, bringing people to know Jesus for the first time. It's just, it's real important milk of the word. It's milk of the word. There's, a, there's an ability and an open door God's going to give you of milk of the word in this community. People who are very dysfunctional, even are going to uh, families that are dysfunctional, and the milk of the word is going to feed them. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, God speaks breakout to you, Ian. This is a season of breakout. This is a time when the vision is bigger than the house. This is a time when the vision is bigger than the restraints around you. You have been shackled, you have been held, that the heart of, of the vision to see the lost of Lowestoft reached. God is causing breakout. He's breaking you out like Bel Perizan, God of the breakthrough, is bringing you out even of the shackles of the place of restraint that you're not limited to your building. You're going to be even just scattered out like seed into the community. God's going to cause you to walk in the land and to walk in the communities. God's going to send out workers. The vision's going to be bigger than your house. And this is a time when God says, you've been faithful. You've been faithful to build in the garden. You've been, and God says, I'm, I'm busting the walls out. The seeds are, the vines are going over the wall now. And this is a time when God's just going to release. Just pray right now. The restraints are off right now in Jesus' name. December last year, um, a very good friend of mine, John Fairby from Ghana, he's the apostolic guy for New Frontiers in West Africa. I heard he was speaking in London, so we went to have a listen. And um, as he spoke, I went to jump out of the seat. I said, yes! Because he said God had been speaking to him for the church in the UK. And God had been speaking from the book of Revelation where Jesus is the lion and the lamb. 
and God says to the church in the UK, well done for portraying the land, the kindness and generosity and gentleness and all of the land. But it's time for the lion to roar. And it is. It's time for the lion to roar. And this isn't against people or governments or whatever. It's against principalities and powers. It's time for the church to stand up and be the church and bring the hope to the nation. Bring the change. We are change carriers, change bearers. And it's time for the, you know, the roar, which is maybe cross-cultural for many of you. But you know what? Jesus crosses cultures. And it's biblical. And therefore, you know, I as a white South African had to learn what is my culture and what is biblical when I went in the township because I thought how I think biblical. And then I went in the township and I thought, nothing matches except that we, when I led, led people to the Lord, we believe in Jesus. We don't have the same mindset. And yet they weren't wrong and I'm right. We were both right, different. And so often in a culture, we have settled for what the culture says as, a, as normal, and we think that's biblical. And yet we've got to get back to what the Bible says and cross, cross that culture. And you get into trouble for it because people don't get it. But it's time. That's the lion roar. It's time for the church to actually be the answer again instead of joining in with the problems of the world. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if you'll pray for each other. This is a practice section. Find someone you don't know, and what he who is in you, the kingdom in you, I want you to impart him. Whatever you've got, give away now. And find someone you don't really know to be a blessing to. Ask God to come and bless them, to fill them, and to empower them.